Hello and welcome to Japan on Fire uh, 5.3, uh, the third episode in our Studio Ghibli series. I'm your host, Stuart Solon, and joining me tonight, we've got Ken. Hello, hello. So, um, if you have just tuned in to us, this is episode three of many. It's actually, uh, say, like our fifth chapter of Japan on Fire. And this chapter is focusing on the, sh- the work of Studio Ghibli. Uh, in episode 5.1 is our Studio Ghibli introduction. And on episode 5.2 is when we first start digging into the movies and discuss uh, Laputa, Castle in the Sky. And this evening we will be tackling Aizo Takahata's uh, My Neighbor, the Yamamaras from Yam- 1999. Yamadas, even, but... Uh, I, I always uh, include an extra D and A at the end. Like, Yamadadas. Yes, it's more punchy that way. I, I get a little bit, I lean a little bit more Mexican. Arriba, arriba. Arriba! Japanese. <laughs> Aye, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you can get in touch with us uh, on our email address, podcastonfire at googlemail.com or you could contact us on Twitter. Our Twitter address is at Podcast on Fire, or just view it independently at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Uh, we are socially networked at facebook.com forward slash P F O N E T W O R K. I made that work yeah. just. Um, there's always extra content on our members only section of our website, membersonly.com forward. What the? No podcastandfire.com forward slash forum and amongst that forum is the section for members only. It requires a quick free registration and then you can get access to more Stu and Ken. More! Sounds vaguely dirty and I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we do anything for our listeners on there. And yes, uh, one of the new great things we could start mentioning for Podcast and Fire is Stitcher. Stitcher Radio. It is the uh, top-notch mobile phone, iPad, BlackBerry, any real handheld device. It is a app for on-the-move radio. Like it is like your little sat- satellite radio app, and we are now part of this streaming radio service. You just need to search Podcast and Fire Network to bring up every show we do have uh, individual channels so if you just want to listen to japan on fire you can search japan on fire and find us and yeah it is a great wee tool and you can find out all the details at uh, stitcher uh, stitcher radio.com but uh, maybe stitcher radio.com as well you you can't go wrong uh, i either or uh, i I gotta say, the update, uh, you know, when I first started using the app, it was kind of uh, ropey. They didn't, they didn't have a good bookmark feature. So so when you close down the app, sometimes the, the, the show you were in the middle of, that started uh, way back at the beginning. So, But now they have a neat uh, bookmark feature, which I really do, uh, dig, because I don't listen to these in one go. And usually my podcasts are 90 minute, two hour thingies, uh, including ours. I mean, the, we we our record is uh, three hours. Uh, this weekend's list five is uh, almost three hours, 
a few minutes shy of so you need a bookmark feature which works great so after a recent update uh, this time uh, it's uh, beginning of october they did an update like a week ago on at least on the iphone and uh, the application is uh, way better so no better time than to get it now <laughs> and it is completely free uh, for everyone with an apple device it is on itunes and if not Go on to Stitcher.com, select your device, and they direct you to the appropriate way to find in their app. And I'm sure they, uh, they, they've not really checked into what uh, we do, especially with This Week in Slee show, before adding it. <laughs> so they don't, they don't really know what, they, uh, uh, what kind of uh, business they went into business with, even though it's not <laughs> a business venture, but, you know. But 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 this is the classy show. One of the well well we most of the shows are classy aside from this week in sleeves. So uh, thank you, Stitcher. I'm not gonna thank them. But yeah. um, Ken, you got any plugs? To well, get out at the start of the show. Of course, as always, I'm a whore. Uh, I'm the writer and creator of SoGoodReviews.com. No Studio Ghibli reviews on there. More more or less, you know, sleeves and ninjas and. Uh, 70s and 80s Hong Kong Taiwan horror and that is also video review at sleazykvideo.com and all of that is uh, talked of and more on twitter.com forward slash so good reviews so follow follow me and follow along with the various uh, shenanigans I get up to there various uh, pics I'm, I'm uploading and the talks I'm doing on uh, the movies uh, coming up on so good reviews.com it's a it's a fun selection of uh, obscure and forgotten Asian cinema, really. Especially the Taiwan stuff, which I'm glad to highlight. So, follow along. So, uh, about this time is really the point where I'm just going to hand the microphone over to Ken here to fill us in on a short biography of Aizo Takahata. Take it away, Ken. The director of tonight's movie, my name is Yamadas. And uh, for me, a new name. Uh, Most of the experience I'm having with uh, this series is... uh, a new experience. Uh, of course, I knew of Miyazaki because he's world famous, but I didn't know of the man closest to him, the next guy in line, if you will. So, um, so I'll, uh, I've educated myself a little bit, and hopefully, you'll, uh, you listeners will uh, get some uh, uh, get some info via my talk and uh, and also add to the Studio Ghibli roster. And I think via this series, we will add to the roster, kind of, uh, uh, because we we plan to. Or rather, Stu had the idea of uh, highlighting as much directors as possible, not just focusing on the known movies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, next time we'll uh, perhaps focus on Miyazaki Sam. So, that'll be fun. But uh, Isao Takata, regarded as one of the greatest directors of anime, and his career spans several decades uh, working alongside Hayao Miyazaki, and he is the co head of uh, Studio, Studio Ghibli. Uh, he's Directorial output at the studio have shown great versatility genre-wise as Takahata has been behind war films, Grave of the Fireflies, romantic dramas, Only Yesterday, uh, comedy, My Neighbors Viamadas, and ecological adventure, Pompoko. And of of these, uh, Grave of the Fireflies is quite internationally acclaimed and is considered by film critic Roger Ebert as one of the greatest war films ever made. And Takahata originally got intrigued by animation after having seen the French animated cartoon translated as the King King and the Mockingbird. I have no idea how you how you pronounce the French name of the King and the Mockingbirds. I'm not even going to try. And it's based on a fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. And during 
his university years, Takahata decided to apply to work at Toei Animation as assistant director, but he was one of many trying to get into a prestigious company, so Takahata had to be patient as he rose through the ranks as uh, trying to be a director, and a director with the desire to make something interesting out of animation according to his personal sensibilities. Toei, by the way, I've seen a few of their animated films, including uh, they were the ones who made the first uh, color anime ever, and it was, uh, I think it's Waits, uh, <coughs> White Snake Enchantress, it's one of the English titles of it, it's based on this Chinese uh, folk tale or Chinese uh, story tale that also is uh, referenced in the likes of Green Snake. Mm. So it's a uh, it's a uh, the, the the first color anime was uh, heavily you know heavily influenced by Chinese imagery and also Disney imagery because they, they, there are songs and talking animals and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a fun little movie, The White Snake Enchantress, out on German DVD. So I'll try to uh, link everybody to uh, uh, to that release. It's a very good release, English subtitled, and uh, also contains the uh, uh, bonus American cut of uh, said uh, film. But um, Anyway, that, that's the connection to Toei and Takahata, a very minor one. Uh, so, we're at Toei, the, the Toei stage, and both Takahata and Miyazaki are they're, they're veterans of TV and uh, animated series, but they, we, we're focusing more on his movie career, and he finally got a chance to debut as director after the recommendation of Yasuo Utsuka, the instructor of both himself and uh, Miyazaki, and the movie he got a chance to direct was Hall's Prince of the Sun from 1968, which is great to debut as a director. Unfortunately, the movie was a flop and he got demoted within the company. And uh, to make more movies was, you know, in subsequently was quite difficult because, uh, you know, the production team got demoted as well, and those who had not been demoted within Toei, were busy on other projects. So uh, there you go. Uh, I haven't seen Hall's Prince of the Sun or know if there's any acclaim behind it. Do you know by any chance, too? I, I watched it briefly and I, I, I tired of it, but I was like babysitting at the time and trying to oh. tame like a two-year-old. So right. I, it was too much distraction and I, I think the dubbing on that one was actually pretty naff. Right, okay. Yeah. So I lost interest pretty early on. But I, is it somehow released under sort of a Ghibli banner by any chance? Mm, Just because it's Takahata? It kind, kind of. It got repackaged in the UK to match the similar style uh, Optima Major releasing. Like all the Studio Ghibli ones were released with like a silver label and the spine and a number. Right. This one was released with a silver label but no number. Right. It so it's like it kind of number. So it's like it kind of matches in with the collection but it's not really supposed to be there type right. deal. Yeah, well um so listeners if you have any uh, input on Holt's uh, Prince of the Sun, uh, you know, uh, give us a shout on Twitter or Facebook or what have you. And uh, you know, through trials and tribulation like a legendary legendary career should have uh, eventually, Takahata was invited by Miyazaki to join his animation production company, Studio Ghibli, uh, which was after the success of Miyazaki's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind in 1984. And subsequently, Takahata was the producer on their first movie, La Puta, Castle in the Sky. 
but his first directed gig, directing gig for the studio was 1988's Grave of the Fireflies. The, uh, I, I'm very curious to see it because it seems to, you know, it's so widely acclaimed, but you, for instance, don't want to frequently watch it because it's such a dagger in your heart, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that fair to say that it's so uh, it, it heart-wrenching, is, kind of? It, aye, definitely. It, it's a really great moving film, but such a hard film as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, it is a great filming, but like it lowers the mood by time everyone's finished watching it. It's like, God, right? So, do you still want to get a pizza? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch it. To watch it because I'm, uh, I, I'm of the sort of opinion that uh, sometimes you need to be slapped around uh, by cinema uh, but there might be a movie sometime that just you know takes me back uh, or, or sort of uh, you know jolts me in that regard and uh, Grave of the Fireflies might be it that I kind of feel whoa I don't want to have that experience I'm glad to have had it but I don't want it again kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. you never know uh, but, but I'm looking forward to it and maybe we'll do it for the series uh, eventually when we may return to Takata who knows uh and again, it remains an internationally acclaimed, emotionally gut-wrenching classic hailed by critics such as Roger Ebert. And there, there, there will be a YouTube clip, clip available in the show post from Ebert's review on his TV show at the time. He did quite a lengthy sort of um, analyze of uh, how you know, animation can affect you. So it was not sort of a st- straightforward review. It, it seemed like it was a segment on his show... Uh, where he focused on it a lot more than just, you know, uh, doing quick reviews and thumbs up, thumbs down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is nice for for the movie, for, for anime. So going over to the Takahata style, his style is said to be decidedly different to his longtime partner, Hayao Miyazaki, as Takahata favors realistic expression in his animation rather than, you know, the incredible incredible fantasy of most of Miyazaki's work, uh, which is uh, great to have. And even, you know, mundane events got huge attention in some of his early TV work. Uh, but w- with the exception of Hall's Prince of the Sun, which is said to be sort of a Disney-esque musical with uh, darker, more political overtones, and Pompoko, which is an, an, uh, an environmentalist film about magical... Tanuki, which is a Japanese raccoon dog trying to save mm-hmm. uh, their land, and Gorsh the Shellist, a film about a struggling cellist sh- uh, uh, who is helped by talking forest animals. Aside from those, the majority of his works is, are actually drama set in mostly realistic environments, which I really like because if you, if you do real movies animated and real mm-hmm. uh, environments and issues animated, that's cool because that pushes animation kind of. Uh, one of his most acclaimed films is Only Yesterday from 1991 a, a movie said to be more aimed at adults than children and it revolves around Teiko a single woman working at a desk job in Tokyo who takes her annual vacation in the countryside with the family of her brother-in-law and she works as a farmhand and during her holiday she finds herself looking back nostalgically at her youth as a schoolgirl growing up in 1966 while simultaneously attempting to resolve her current issues with love and career. And I'll therefore throw it back uh, to you. Have you seen Only Yesterday? Yeah, I'd, uh, it's probably been about four years since I've last watched it. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was just a, dr- 
a straightforward drama. Mm-hmm. And dark or depressing or no, no, it was just maybe like she was just looking more at towards yesteryear than today. Like she was just like recalling a lot of her childhood mm-hmm. and it is so vague, but it is just like no fantasy. This is just straightforward. Like as you said, it was like a movie just animated. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was, I was good. I don't remember disliking it, but it seemed fine. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm keen to watch that, and I'm sure it's available. Uh, even, even again in that UK collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, again, Takahata is a big name. Ghibli is a big name, and uh, the, the movies we mentioned are, you know, they're mentioned for a reason, and therefore, kind of, you know, automatically they'll receive releases all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and and hopefully now. You know, I, I can start collecting, but instead on Blu-ray because, because the Ghibli Blu-rays have been really, really well done so far. Uh, My neighbor's The Yamadas is currently his last credited movie as director. It was made in 1999, and uh, as a final nugget in this uh, short bio, the, the, I found a quote relating to Takahata and Hayao Miyazaki's uh, working relationship. So, I, I, I strangely enough, I've not written who wrote this quote, but anyway, great quote. Uh, Takahata's films have had a major influence on Hayao Miyazaki, prompting animator Yasuo Otsaka, well, he's the one who said the quote, to say that Miyazaki gets his sense of social responsibility from Takahata and, and that without Takahata, Miyazaki would probably just be interested in comic book stuff. And what a wonderful way to complement each other, you know, two driving forces keeping track of each other and making the studio uh, thrive. I really, really like that uh, balance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, match made in heaven, kind of, and uh, seemingly not uh, two gentlemen who are growing tired of each other. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, but having said that, I don't know as of right now if Takahata is still super active in the company. Uh, do Do you know that uh, offhand if he's still producing uh, movies and shit like that? I I really don't. Um, I'm always out of date when it's current. So, but I uh, if. Like, I, I didn't even know that uh, Yamada's was his last work. Mm-hmm. So, definitely, like, the dude seems to be on an extended vacation. <laughs> but, uh, a great talent, and I won't say, uh, uh, b- based on one movie I've seen, that that's all I'm going to say right now. So, hopefully, you'll know a bit more about Isao Takata. Right, Ken, enough talking. Uh, quick break, and it's my turn next. <laughs> it's my time, bitch. Is that too aggressive? <laughs> We're gonna talk now. I'm gonna talk now about this fine family movie. That's fun and heartwarming. I'm gonna talk now. Maybe I was a little bit too harsh. No, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm not insinuating anything. I'm not I'm just being intrusive. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Sit down and listen to me. <laughs> My Neighbor Yamadas, no, My Neighbor The Yamadas, from 1999. Uh, let's see. The plot of this film is really about the daily lives of the Yamada family. Uh, Takashi Yamatsuko, the father, mother, uh, Shinge Matsuko's mother, Noboru, uh, 
aged approximately 13, the son of the family, uh, Nonoko, aged 5, the daughter, and uh, Pochi, the family dog. It has a significantly different feel to it, to it than other Studio Ghibli films, not only because of its different style of animation, but also because of it, it doesn't actually have a continuous plot. It's rather like a series of vignettes, uh, each preceded by a title such as uh, Fowler as a Role Model, or A Family Torn Apart, and Ginger Garden. These vignettes cover such issues as uh, losing a child in a department store, uh, the relationships between a father and son, or a husband and wife, the age of wisdom, and uh, getting one's first girlfriend, and uh, many more. And fighting over the remote control. <laughs> and the TV program, which was my favourite. <laughs> so, uh, the background to this film, as we're all aware, it is directed by Aizo Takahata, and it was released by Studio Ghibli on the 17th of July, 1999. It's a family comedy that is presented in a comic strip style, which is an, an unusual move because of all the other Ghibli films are more traditionally drawn and presented in a familiar style. Based on the Yonomoka manga, a short comic strip of four panels or so, or Noron-chan by uh, Hayashi uh, Iichi, it, is, it was the first completely digital Studio Ghibli movie. To explain more in detail, Takahata wanted a watercolour appearance rather than the uh, cell pictures, so that uh, traditional paint on the cell technique was replaced by digital work. The movie received a decent reviews. It wasn't a huge box office hit in Japan compared to the other Ghibli features, but it did receive the Excellence Award for animation at the 1999 Japan uh, Media Arts Festival. It was released in, on DVD in America in August 2005 alongside the other Takahata film, uh, Pompoko, uh, with a Disney dub starring uh, James Belushi and uh, Molly Shannon of uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live fame. And currently at the, in the United Kingdom, Optimum Asia have also released it this year on shiny, shiny Blu-ray. And I'm in love with that, this movie because of the Blu-ray. It looks good. It's good, 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 good. So go out and get that or, or, or listen to our reviews first and then decide. So on to the review. So, Ken, um... Who wants to go first? Do you really want to tell everyone, or do I go through me? This is this is the point where it's like who gets the gush first. <laughs> Up to you. You're you're the host. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm down here. Your opinion, Ken. So, well, get out there. Well, well, we can we can do it this way. We can say our brief opinions first, and then mm-hmm. go into in depth afterwards. So no one needs to wait forty minutes until they hear <laughs> your opinion. Okay. Uh, when I start going. So, in short, delightful. It's charming as fuck, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, it, it can be argued to be a little bit long, but I, I, I explain why that's no problem at all. So that's my long and short bit. Delightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I watched this film last night again, and it just reminded me, it's like, how fucking just simple but wonderful this film is it's there's so many like it's even just like your introduction story of 
the husband and wife like their journey in life and they both like jump into like one of the like the bobsleigh and yeah it's a big like... symbolic uh, sequence of mm-hmm. uh, parenthood and uh, family uh, being a family unit uh, you know s- starting the movie off with a bang mm-hmm. and it's it's a wonderful it's just a like a wonderful experience wrapped with so many little wonderful experiences inside it it's, it, I think it really does tap into, uh, you know, the domestic snapshot that it is. It really does tap into that uh, Takahata, and uh, you know, as a real hard off for doing that, as you'll see in the documentary f- uh, on both the DVD and Blu-ray, he doesn't like his fantasies, as we've explained, and really is uh, quite critical of uh, Hayao Miyazaki personally. But it's not like he's uh, very uh, childish about it. He, it's he he prefers. Uh, characters with uh, human traits uh, experience human emotions to sort of be placed in a human environment uh, and he doesn't think fantasy go hand in hand with uh, providing uh, characters uh, human traits and, uh, and uh, humanistic uh, humanistic traits mm-hmm. but, 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 but I absolutely love that opening sequence you, you, because you gotta speak of that uh, really you know you see you see the simplicity of the animation because it's literally kind of drawn before us before that big sequence as you said sim- you know uh, symbolized via a bobsled ride what it means to be you know family and a family unit and <laughs> the, the, there's like odd visuals with uh, during uh, Matsuki's and Takashi's wedding you know the husband and wife and mm-hmm. And it's very clear symbolism, you know, because, because you have to persevere, you have to go through storms. And of mm. course, that's in the movie as well. You know, de- them going through a big old uh, storm, the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, did, did you pick up on that as such? Oh, I, I did, definitely. Because it was really... It's all kind of wrapped around the grandmother doing a speech at the wedding, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Aye, and I think it was hard that was throwing in all these metaphors and then you were physically seeing them like toughen out through the storm and then uh, quickly turned into like a car and <laughs> then they were just throwing It's a free-for-all all fantasy. I mean, Takata mm. said he didn't like fantasy, but this is one case where, you know, it goes in hand with his vision, you know, being mm. uh, fantastical in this regard. Like they discovered their son in a Fulton Peach. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the daughter's hiding in the bamboo tree. And <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of simple truths here, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and really, you you can as a viewer sort of get a perspective on life if you don't have one already, or can or you can be re reminded about uh, that life is pretty. You know, even if it feels mundane, you know, being a fa- uh, very you know nuclear family, if you will, it's you know they still. Matsuki and Takashi have set up something very, very solid. And, you know, even having the parent live, uh, you know, the grandmother still living with them, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, very admirable. So, d- despite ups and downs, despite Takashi getting no peace and quiet, which is uh, essentially his mm-hmm. problem, you know, getting home and just want peace and quiet, and family's kind of wild at times. So I, I love that it's really, it's really simple and felt and very admirable that it can be simple and felt, uh, despite barely being drawn. This movie's mm. barely drawn. <laughs> there's, there's, there's almost nothing being drawn mm. on the screen. It's more or less just like a watercolor. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And uh, I mean, uh, 
talking, you know, the visual uh, visual style, you can do it uh, all throughout this discussion, and we will. But uh, watching them create it uh, in the documentary, you know, drawing it, and then uh, sort of taking away uh, taking away aspects of the drawing in the computer, you know, the uh, uh, the, the, the very uh, filled lines. Takahata wanted, you know, it to be uh, rough lines around the characters. Almost, uh, almost storyboard style, almost like it's rough sketches only, and he had such trouble, the documentary shows, communicating that to the Studio Ghibli staff, because they're so used to doing it another way, and here comes Takahata's radical vision, that mm -hmm. no, 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 we're gonna do it this way, uh, and it's okay if it's not okay, essentially. <laughs> and uh, man, it seemed like it was so confusing for... Uh, for them and, and and even in the promotion they actually advertised the movie as being delayed <laughs> and, and it shows that they were like doing at one point they only had done one tenth when they should have done maybe at least half of the movie Takata mm -hmm. being claimed as like a visual Nazi by the writing the drawing staff yeah but then again you know as the crew the way the documentary crew catches him I don't think he's pedantic Rather than uh, being a Nazi, they don't catch him doing, you know, having outbursts or anything. It seems mm -hmm. like he yeah, has a good spirit about him, uh, very determined. Uh, so um, I'm uh, the way the documentary catches him, and it didn't feel like a glossy documentary. I think uh, it's, it seems fair. He's uh, kind of uh, being pedantic, and uh, I mean, it's, it's even to the point where there's a very elder actress he wanted for um, for some voiceover in the film, minor voiceover, and she sat down wanted to change the words so it suited her a little bit and he like wouldn't have it you know no 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 it's supposed to be done this way we respect you a lot but please read it your way and she was very like oh, this is very confusing i don't know what you you guys are on about so and it's so painful to watch it in the, in the documentary this session go on forever and ever and ever when it's only a few lines mm -hmm. and it's this this war between the producer takahata and his elder actors and, and after that whole epic sequence where the message is very clear, made clear what the f like focus of the movie is, then it's more or less spread out throughout the movie because not every little story, I think there's like 20 of them or something, mm -hmm. uh, is, has a message like that. You know, uh, these bite-sized stories, some of which some of which are poignant, some are somber, some are quirky, some are really fun and silly. Uh, the, so, you know, literally some are there for pure silliness. And I think... Mm -hmm. Personally, I think it's a fine choice to spread it out because it, I I think it could have been sort of um, too much to ha have like a message all the time, you know, bam, 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 family death, quirky, family death, quirky. Death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but what do you think of the mix uh, uh, that I just described? Uh, do you pick it, up it, on any of that? Yeah, it, it's, it just becomes mere refreshing, I think. There's a lot of... Um, like there is, like you get your serious stories... Whether if they're, it's like the motorcycle gang yes. going up and down the street, and like that's a, almost a sobering story, like for the Fowler's perspective, like how much the family is looking on the Fowler to basically be the the protector, the like the ideal Fowler image, the superhero, mm -hmm. and. Uh, he has like, his uh, sort of mandom challenge there by uh, Grandma, and uh, that leads into that whole fantasy sequence uh, where he's the Cayman Rider, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it is like basically his wee dream sequence after that, mm -hmm. where it is like the old music and him on the bike yeah. with 
It's like, that is heartwarming as hell, but... He's fucking Chariot Fat on that bike, you know? He has double guns <laughs> and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's just scenes where, like, they're sitting, like, the Grand's wondering how many years she'll still get to see the cherry blossoms. Mm-hmm. And the daughter's like, oh, you're only... Um, 70 you're like you've still got time yet and says yeah maybe another 30 years and then the <laughs> daughter just falls over like one of those hard shock anime reactions where yes. the, there's not like a frame in between it's just her standing the next thing she's face down on the ground going Ugh. yeah that was probably one of the most simple animations in the film you know from standing to lying down rather than the uh, five ten drawings in between <laughs> and there is there's also those reactions where basically uh, throughout the movie where one of them will just give this like bloody daft answer and they'll go what and i think it's like an entire table of people tip over at one point <laughs> yes. because it's either like the sun being cheeky or oh it's <laughs> like things like that just like get a laugh at me yeah. because it's it's just it's a little over the top but it's, it's brilliant because it's it's still charming as with, hell uh, yeah it's over and done with quite quickly as well you know uh, mm-hmm. Because if if something drags on, then it literally is over quite uh, quickly, and that that brings up another point. You don't need to sit through this movie in one sitting, uh, no. because it feels like watching the comic strips uh, uh, throughout the movie. Uh, obviously, extended more than just a three or four panel comic strip that it was, but uh, uh, it was because I watched the first half of it uh, pretty much a few weeks ago. And then I picked it up again uh, before the recording, and it didn't feel like I lost anything, you know, because they weren't in the middle of a through line, a story. Mm-hmm. And and not all movies are you, you, you can't do that with most movies uh, because they, to be honest, the running time seems a bit daunting at first. It's a it's a one hundred and five minutes or so, uh, but it really is logical to to split it up. At least I'm I, I look at it at it uh, that way i don't know how you felt when you watched it if it felt uh long for some reason um i think when you've seen like the art style and the round time like christ they're like they're really gonna try and make this thing work aren't they but <laughs> like, it does it you soon settle into it and it's like you realize it's just like a series of short stories based around this amazing little family mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it doesn't feel flimsy uh despite being a long and a lot of story i think they 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 keep it up i don't i can't think of a story that isn't memorable uh it's only that i didn't i I didn't make notes about every story uh, so so it's not like oh man they really did a turd here you know that story was was shit that that never really happens and uh and uh and if it was on the verge of happening that they, they were sort of on on the wrong track then a story was over quickly and uh so, so it's allowed to be a bit flimsy i guess uh, too is my point and uh uh and having that trait in this movie is a sort of uh, in the best of ways but uh, i i i love one of the longer ones is um early on in the film it's a the one called a family crisis where where a little girl gets lost and it mm-hmm. starts with you know the entire unit in the car i love that they're all in the car <laughs> mm-hmm. uh bickers about the directions to a shopping mall and uh you know the family closeness gets tested here because one of the kids have a little girl gets lost and uh, you know mm-hmm. he he got stress uh and in the middle of this i stopped you know to to, to just marvel because it's early on in the film to marvel at that sparse animation Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, I don't know how you feel, but I, I found it to be extremely expressive, despite being extremely, uh, you know, limited or, you know, it's barely drawn at points. And still, it's very expressive. Mm-hmm. You could easily see, like, the stress in the mother's face and the dad, like, trying to be the rock, keeping it calm, whereas the grand's, like, just saying... Oh no! It was the mother that was saying the message like all strangers are like don't talk to any strangers, and the grand's like so everyone she doesn't know are basically thieves, mm-hmm. and the Lottie's just like gets like what a typical child is like is that like, I want to go to the base I want to see a ba- like a baseball bat and mm-hmm. and the dad's like everything's gonna be fine she's gonna be sitting where she is everything's fine and they try to calm down by turning on the radio and I was like oh little lost kitty and like, oh, right, turn the radio off turn the radio off. <laughs> But it's, it's uh, I mean, it's, it, there's real danger in the movie. I think mm-hmm. later on there's a mention of a murder in uh, yeah. ha- happening in the city. So you know, it's uh, it's not uh, all you know, flowers and uh, tweedy birds and smiling suns. There's literally a smiling sun in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's, I think the funniest thing about that video is well, that uh, the crisis short is when it cuts back to the the girl, and she finds like a little boy that's lost his mum, mm-hmm. and the girl's like, oh yeah, and it's like. My family's lost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like I've lost my family. It's like my family's silly. They've gotten lost somewhere. <laughs> like she's so independent. Yeah. It's not like it's like, I, I, I've lost everyone. It's like ah, a bunch of idiots have gotten themselves lost. Yeah, it's warm and very you know uh, qu- quite satirical in that regard. And she acts as a protector of Aye. someone like her, someone younger than her. You know, as you said, she's very independent, very smart. And I don't think that's you know. Takahata writing, uh, you know, an unrealistic portrayal of uh, of a child, you know, that is too grown up for, uh, uh, you know, uh, logically, it's not illogical, and, uh, uh, and and it's quite wonderful and warm and funny, and and, and it ends well, of course, which is stated. Uh, there's no horrible endings in mm-hmm. this. Uh, there's no horrible like South Park endings where someone dies and comes back <laughs> in the next uh, in the next show. So, and they never pushed it that far either, where like maybe an adult approached them. No, exactly. It because been, yeah. sometimes they can like just pull the carpet out from underneath your feet with films like Graveyard of the Fireflies. Yeah. So it could... Yeah, talk about that. Like, exactly, and it could have done the thing because the Mass Rider sequence was like the only sequence where they were portrayed as adults yes. and not little cartoon, like comic strip characters. Yes. So that could have easily turned into... Just like like the tall legs of someone and their upper body out of shot, just walking over to the child, mm-hmm. and like it could have like turned really serious, mm-hmm. but thankfully like it's really it's really just that one moment at the end where it's just the mass rider sequence with the father and they managed to spin that around again, but yeah, thankfully it, it, it isn't it, taken too seriously. Yeah, and that, speaking of that later sequence, it it. Uh... It brings up the point of how varied the animation style is because normally it's you know they have you know to really break it down basically they have you know the essential in the foreground and the background is uh, you know just barely any uh, background characters or have Stick outlines around them or, so yeah, it's uh, exactly. outlines or just uh, no rough lines around them just a watercolor splash mm-hmm. that is supposed to be background uh, characters audience <laughs> or what have you and I absolutely love that. It's co- it's watercolor appearance, as you mentioned before. It's mm-hmm. absolutely mesmerizing to watch this. Mm-hmm. And like it is, it's like the moments like in that 
Family Crisis. There's the one where basically they're going back to the mall and they're all stuck in the traffic jam. Mm. But every car was a different like colour. Yes. And it was just all these little watercoloured like blobs. Yeah, and exactly. The, blobs, like, that's the perfect expression. And yeah. then just like grey strokes for the buildings. is like, like, that's actually kind of fucking, like, it's just really well done. Yeah. Like, when they do say like every frame's like art, is like sometimes like <laughs> that expression's right in that film because it is like <laughs> one of the things we like. I'm sure you you do as well, Ken. When watching films, like you you're taking mental screen caps for your reviews or your website images, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting looking at it and it's like that's a good one, that's a good one, yeah, that's a good one. Like the one with the little boy, and there's like fifty. 50 images of his mother saying study, study, study. He's like, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Or they're sitting around the coffee table, that's a good one. And Or the lorry being chased by every member of the family on like uh, scooters, unicycles, uh, <laughs> little four-wheel bikes. It's like there's so much beautiful moments in this film. And and it, it makes sense that it's memorable because it's a Ghibli, but I, I, I can very well imagine that them you know, stripping it down hardcore was not easy to get used to after, I think this was their first production if the documentary uh, if I remember the documentary correct, it was the first production after Princess Mononoke right. you know, their big big movie and their next is this? It, essentially the narrator of the documentary says that as well how can this be a smash hit? <laughs> Which it kind of wasn't uh, as we said earlier in the show, but uh, I I, I like that, you know, uh, that it, uh, you know, Miyazaki, I think, around this time announced his retirement because um, Princess Mononoke, I, I think I read, uh, essentially killed him. Oh, yeah. It was really stressful. Um, so perhaps it was uh, good to, for him to step back and Takahata do some really stripped down stuff. Uh, uh, but it didn't mean uh, essentially that it, was, that it was easier to do. Mm. Apparently, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, challenges. Yes. One of several retirements for Miyazaki. today. I mean, yeah. I, I was surprised Takata didn't look older because, uh, you know, it's 30, 40 years in the industry, but they must have started out really, really, really young, both of them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but yeah, he did not a grey hair in him, Takata, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, the rest of this review will, will kind of be like... Uh, the theme for me will be like you that you extract not whole segments but fun little details and gut busting details throughout the movie mm-hmm. and, and we're gonna mention a bunch of examples i guess but where for instance you know uh like the grandma providing the best tips about switching light bulbs effectively mm-hmm. you know such mundane events really funny uh, but, but then you also have mundane events like tidying up before there's visitors and, and so fascinating the way Takata taps into this. Uh, it, it's uh, it's mundane. It's not boring. It's, it's just this, and it's uh, how wonderful how him and the original artist uh, Ichi draws us in. Pun intended. You know, mm. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable to me, and it's one of those times where I get jealous because, man, someone having a touch like that, you know, mm-hmm. that undescribable, just pitch perfect fucking touch. Wow, and. Uh, and uh, and and the animation, you know, you know, you know, he has the touch, but it's also free for all, as we said, because the you know the animation is very surreal at times, and literally, as I said before, the sun is lit- is smiling, 
<laughs> and you realize that the Takata uh, is, uh, you know, they're not maintaining full reality at the same time because why not play a little to make your uh, real points? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you are, and, and the first sequence obviously shows that that uh, we're we're not gonna abide by any any uh, any rules. So one of the best uh, scenes that I think everyone extracts from it is uh, sort of the uh, dynamic to, between husband and wife. And uh, obviously, I'm sure you you like to talk about the whole uh, uh, fighting over remote control and TV program yeah. sequence. Oh, that was. That was something to behold. That was almost like a, a Star Wars training sequence or like yeah, Tai Chi going on. Jiu-Jitsu or Tai Chi, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, I and mean, that's what happens in a marriage. You know, I want to watch that program. Uh-uh. I got the remote control. And that's one. That's what they spin. Spin. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really well done. Uh, like, just having the... I think it was the granddaughter well the grand and the granddaughter standing at the side saying oh no it's like this is more entertaining than television because <laughs> the, the, the daughter mentions like well now neither of them could watch tv said, no no this is more entertaining anyway uh, she, she, she she has a good attitude about it uh, grandma you know uh, mm-hmm. she, she knows her daughter or or, or watch the uh, yeah yeah i think that was it that's uh it's the mother of the yeah. wife isn't it yeah so, and 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 this is what happens, you know, in real life, and it isn't a sign of a bad marriage, a dysfunctional marriage, you know. It's an effective snapshot, despite being exaggerated for comedic effect. The way they, you know, I love the little, you know, well, uh, during the little war, the different movements are ex- exaggerated, you know, with the noises like. Huh? Huh? So actually, the best way to describe it is like they're having a tennis match. Yes, <laughs> because they're both replicating the same moves, basically to dodge like an imaginary signal, well, an imaginary tennis ball. Yes, which <laughs> is the signal. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a husband and wife that's fallen into patterns over the years, but it, but it's not hostile to them. There's affection and love in daily domestic conflicts. I, I don't, you know, whenever they're angry at each other, they're not really, really, really angry. No, you know, it, you, you do have frustration, but it's not personal as such. And what well, you know. They're doing their jobs as parents, and they're literally working. And uh, the you know dad tries to be the head of the unit. They try to ride out the storms, handing out advice, helping with studies. You know, study, 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 study. The sequence you were just uh, uh, referring to when the mom is uh, replicated into millions of little uh, mums asking the son mm-hmm. to study harder. And you know, it's cre- they're creating future for the kids. And, uh, and and then, as funny as all of that stuff is. Then it's really heartwarming when you have the scene where, where the father is out buying uh, meat and he gets really angry over the phone about, I think, what meat he's going to buy. Uh, and it's raining and uh, he's with the one doing the shopping. And what happens at the very end? The entire family meets him in the rain and walks him home. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can't get any more perfect than that, you know. And, uh, really, you know, it's inspiring and uplifting. It's a tight family, you know. They, the, what we didn't see in that sequence is probably the wife thinking, you know, I better go and meet him, you know, because he's going to come home angry and he doesn't, he didn't really deserve that mm. task as such. He's going to come home and strike me and <laughs> no. then it leads to like, the untimely sequel of uh, My Neighbor Yamada's Get Divorced. <laughs> the very sobering sequel. 
Yeah, that Takahata is not yet made because this was his last directed movie at this point. So mm-hmm. he's still Cute. trying to find a way to make that film charming. <laughs> oh, that'll be a challenge <laughs> without mass suicide. Oh, Said wow. no, my favorite little cartoon family. But uh, well, you know, one of the strongest snapshots is actually kind of akin to that almost because he and and one of my absolute favorite ones is when the father comes home in a, in a mood, very bad mood. He's worked hard. He's not pleased with what food is being offered up to him. You know, who who the hell wants red bean cake? Do you want a banana, dear? <laughs> banana. And and then that sequence, you know, it doesn't turn into any bickering. They they just like turn quiet. The wife is there. She sits down with her husband, and watches. You know, rides out that storm. But it doesn't turn into you know the the divorce angle or any abuse uh, she's just there to support her husband to be there you know uh through thick you know through the storm and it's very poignant how like uh, a marriage can go into autopilot and be kind of worn out not be active and sunny and shiny but they're together and they have good lives you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh the that's all good and fun the music by the way is lovely the, yes. Uh, uh, Akiko Yano's uh, theme. I, I, I don't think, uh, I'm not sure she wrote the entire score, but uh, the theme by Akiko Yano. Uh, <laughs> crazy the way they uh, recorded this score because they weren't content with uh, uh, recording it in Japan. Uh, she recorded uh, her theme in New York. There's uh, the Czech Philharmonic Orchestra recorded <laughs> the entire score, so they went to the Czech Republic to do this. God, it's kind of like, ha, we've got cash, we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. It's so that's why the film's say... been drawn on white paper. <laughs> so it's like, a, it's like they're spinning a globe. And what country are we going to record in? The Czech Republic. Yeah, why not? Do, do they have a philharmonic? They do. Let's go there. <laughs> so, and why not? If you have, if you have the means to do so, then uh, why not? What are some of your other favorite um, uh, standout vignettes, even if they only last uh, a minute? Um, one of the great ones was the the father. It's the typical thing where the father looks to the mother and says, well, actually hands like a shot of sake over to the son. He said, watch this. Watch my son try and like, it's typical over here. It's like, let's see what the kid could take to beer. And like he sips it, and he goes, Ugh. and the dad laughs. Like the typical reaction is like kids aren't supposed to like alcohol, and the lawyer went, oh, it's too dry. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then it just leads into those wonderful little chases, where it's just him running, and the dad obviously red faced for drinking alcohol, chasing behind him. But that's a that's a great little detail, simple detail, but you know, red faced and. Uh... And, and 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 I bet when they uh, in certain sequences when they sweat they just draw those simple little uh, beats of sweat that are mm. outside their body you know to symbolize sweat because mm. that's what you do in still form as well you know in comic strip form yeah <laughs> uh, the 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 one the best is also uh, uh, the, the you know a father is kind of grumpy uh, looking at all times but you know he likes his snow. And uh, yes. when the first snow comes, you want to talk about that wonderful little sequence when the mm-hmm. first snow comes? It was brilliant because 
it's like that moment where he wants to get the camera out and says, come on, let's get like a family portrait out in the snow. And they're too busy watching like a film, like it's like a cliffhanger type film. Yes, with in people snow. hanging on the line in the snow. They were like, <laughs> and he's like, but it's actually snowing here. He says, no, shh, this is more interesting. And it's just like him, his frustration said, right, okay, where's the camera? He's like, top drawer. And he's looking, he's like, it's not in the top drawer. And he's like, yes, you're just not looking right. And he's like, God. And she gets him the camera, and for the best angle to actually take the picture, he has to leave the camera on top of the television and just set the timer, goes outside and closes the door behind him, and he just has the most bitter face. <laughs> and one thing actually misses the fact that we never got to see that photo. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was expecting that just to come up, and it was probably just... The cut off of everyone's heads, staring <laughs> blankly, and then him standing outside in the background with snow, with snowfall. One of his first like enthusiastic moments: our family is watching snow on TV, mm-hmm. and and they're stone faced as well. You know, they're mesmerized by TV. The entire family, maybe even the dog. Who knows if the dog was in there as well? <laughs> Uh, I I should really focus more on the dog because I think it's kind of if you look at the closely uh, in, at the movie it's probably a, a vital character in some um, sequences mm. uh, and if not they have a dog as well it's, yes <laughs> it's as uh, simple as that uh, well, one of the shorter ones and uh, one of the most sombering ones is uh, the one they call art art is brief life is long where uh, which is about death uh, Gran- granny visiting uh, one of her old friends. Uh, and uh, that friend is really upbeat and they're walking around and it's all cool and then at the end it really comes to light that her friend is dying and uh, and uh, it is one of the sad moments but it doesn't like linger or overstates that emotion i think the end of that little scene is essentially a zoom out or or, or some simple stuff like that or them just sitting um her sitting uh, alongside on the bed and that's that's it you know uh Art is brief, li- literally. It's a it's a brief little uh, brief little thing, um, and I, I appreciate that to have that. You know, um, uh, it, it it's poignant, and uh, you know, to you know towards the end, you know, you have that uh, uh, wonderful mix up of uh, speech notes at the wedding. You know, when the father is about <laughs> to speak and he has the fucking shopping list instead, and you see the wife in the background face palming. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. shit, I gave him the wrong note, and and still the father manages to dish out you know poignancy about marriage and life uh, you know it, i think it loses the audience at first mm-hmm. uh, and then you know it, it it it's towards the end of the film and uh, then it all kind of comes comes full circle you know it's a uh, five it turns into that final epic sequence you know and all of a sudden everything is cool and everything is uh, you know uh, takahata has a full message in his film, as it turns out, when you connect like the, at least the first and the se- and the last segment, then you realize that it, it did say something. Mm. And uh, you know, ending on a song, how basic is that? Aye. You know, to, to get the audience love, yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It, it it's just to basically pick up everyone's spirits and send them out happy. Yeah, and not like we were depressed, but uh, it, it's been uh, sort of a roller coaster ride, and, and the biker gang sequence is certainly you know close to that than the one of the tense sequences. And you you mentioned it before, I'm going to mention it again. I really did like how the animation style changed briefly to essentially fully drawn, 
human characters, you know, the biker characters look really mm-hmm. scary, like a, out of a regular anime. Yeah. And then at the end of the sequence, they really turn as simple as uh, humans have been drawn in the movie. And the biker gang isn't all that scary because two, two of them have their uh, have scooters, just little mm-hmm. uh, silly scooters, and they can't drive away really drive away really smoothly uh, when they turn on the street. You mm-hmm. know? So uh, and uh, it's a wonderful speech by Grandma trying to make the head of the gang realize that he could put his uh, intimidation uh, to use as a law enforcer of some kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the poor father, as you described before, he Goes. would have liked to be in the one with that speech, you know. Yes. But uh, you know, it, why why not? I mean, it's a cha- yeah, your mandom is kind of challenged, but. You know, hopefully he's, he's strong, he's overall, uh, you know, uh, has confidence overall and uh, his shell is still strong and, uh, you know, wh- why not, at least, you know, at least it was the elder that provided that speech rather than, you know, one of his kids, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I don't think he has nothing to worry about. But, uh, yeah, it's essentially what I've got to say. I can say a whole lot, but uh, what a delightful uh little uh little movie uh uh mm-hmm. that I, I i'd never heard of prior to the podcast and got got a chance to watch for the podcast once more so a new experience and and uh even if it was a bad experience i wouldn't have treated it as a you know a, a waste of time at all mm-hmm. not for this show so what about you is this uh like a uh, I, I, I guess it's not on constant loop in your household, but uh, it's no. a re- rewatchability. It's definitely there, there. I, yeah, it does, and it, it is. It still gives me the future mindset of like I can't wait to show like f- like children this in the future, and mm-hmm. because it, is, it, it has like all the warmth for like a Disney movie and these Pixar films, and it does like like these films could stand like side by side and not be looked at any differently. I think they still have like the same genuine warmth and like their good old belly laughs and the moments that kind of make you think mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it's rare and uh it's it's been it's been evident in animation throughout the decades, but it's still a rare rare thing that you you get it right. And uh this one definitely does. I, I never got a chance to sample more than a little bit of the uh Disney dub starring James Belushi and Molly Shannon mm-hmm. sounded pretty good. I, I really liked it. I've always liked James Belushi. I like his delivery and all of that. And mm-hmm. he, he seems like a good fit for for Takashi and uh, and uh, that scene where he drinks the uh, so, uh, sake uh, they they have in the uh, behind the microphone uh, segment on the Blu-ray DVD and uh, mm-hmm. it really sounds good uh, as uh, as uh, transferred from Japanese to English. You know, yeah, it's a bit dry, too dry. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, it just fits uh, really well. And uh, they, they got some good performance in the uh, sparse cast, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because it's a sparse movie. But uh, uh, that's my next viewing with the with the dub. And uh, and uh, the, the, I don't know, have you always watched it with the dub? or how's I, I, I watched a few times the dub. But last night was the first time for me to sit down and watch it in the original Japanese. And I was just as good. Hmm. Like, it doesn't need, like, the tone's not different, no characters overreacted. It, it's just really well casted. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the, you 
you get that example when watching the brief behind the scenes segment on a DVD and Blu-ray where, you know, Molly Shannon does that uh, when the mother is replicated into millions and, and telling the son to study harder. You get that, mm-hmm. you know, study harder, study harder, study harder. And it, yeah, yeah, well done, well thought out. It's not a quick dubbing job. It's yeah. Not, it's not a golden ninja warrior dubbing <laughs> job. <laughs> uh, it's all good. So I if, thank you, Stu, for introducing me to this. Hey, no, fucking thank the guys for making it. Yeah, exactly. Takahata, go come out of retirement if you've actually Mm. officially retired or just uh, not found a project you wanted to do. Uh, uh, I want to see the divorce sequel. Yeah, I guess you want to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My name is the Yamadas, you know, Tokyo Nights edition or whatever, you know, Tokyo (laughs) Yakuza edition. Question my manhood grandma. (laughs) (laughs) As made by some exploitation anime company instead. <laughs> uh, it's, all, it's all good. So, Dad, I guess that's uh, all we have to share about this mm. movie. So, uh, now that we've tackled a film both from Hayao Miyazaki and uh, Aizaho Takahata, I think, as we mentioned in our introduction episode, we're really going to just try and at least cover all the directors. So I think this is probably the best time to... Uh, go and watch one of the films from uh, Miyazaki's son, uh, Goro Miyazaki, and one of his first films, uh, Tales from Earthsea, from 2006. Yeah, I saw that trailer on the DVD. It looked, uh, it looked quite good. It had, a, it had a cool dragon-like creature. Yes, so. and it, it has been, I think it's been questioned because it, it's a typical thing of like the son in his father's shadow. Mm-hmm type thing so everyone's gonna be really critical of like the first thing he puts out there but uh, we'll just call it as as it is you know exactly so, and, and my i mean maybe they're critical because they feel it's still a higher miyazaki film but you know you influences you influence your children so hopefully ho- hopefully the history about it is that he you know it, it was really much his son's endeavor not his father holding his hand uh, all throughout yes but uh, in general uh, do you know if it's uh, acclaimed or it's mixed reviews on this one uh, i think it's mixed uh-huh. mm-hmm. it's uh currently imdb's got it sitting at a 6.5 out of 10 but it's it's studio ghibli so it's worth watching regardless yeah. a 6.5 um... for a studio ghibli film is still mm. probably like a 9.5 compared to some other random film yeah, definitely, definitely. I've, I've not seen a Studio Ghibli movie that I don't like in some way, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, there should be a Blu-ray either in Japan or in the UK, uh, because I, I, it's an opportunity for me to get them on Blu-rays. Laputa, wonderful Blu-ray. My Neighbors Viamaras, you might not think it, but it looks glorious on Blu-ray. Mm. Absolutely glorious. Uh, uh, comic strip, sh- uh, you know, come to life, sharp as hell, and uh, absolutely wonderful. And uh, won't cost you an arm and a leg either in the UK, I believe. Yeah. So uh, we're basically going to put a cap on this one, uh, round it off with the standard contact information. Uh, of course, find us on our website, podcastandfire.com. Uh, leave us your feedback on our forum, uh, podcastandfire.com forward slash forum. The members only section is chock foo of uh, brilliant contents. Uh, it's basically like our deleted scenes and outtakes. Uh, like lots of scenes on the cutting room floor. Uh, hit us up on Twitter with uh, twitter.com forward slash podcast and fire. 
The email is podcastonfire at googlemail.com. And of course, you could actually subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher Radio. It's the brilliant iPhone, iPad, really any smartphone device, you could download Stitcher. And that's uh, stitcher.com. You could subscribe to even just the Japan on Fire channel, where you get to listen to our backlog. Ken? Right on. And uh, like us on Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash POF Network. And uh, the iTunes feed uh, is always linked to on the site and in the show post as well. So, so subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you like, leave leave a comment or two. Uh, SoGoodReviews.com. Your one-stop shop. Stop. Stop. Shop. You can't shop there. But uh, anyway. What you, can, what you can read for free is a uh, mix <laughs> of uh, category-free movies. Uh, reviews of those. Uh, IFD and Ninjas, Taiwan Black Movies, Hong Kong Old School, Taiwan Horror, The Devil Set Beat Horror, Boxer's Omen and all of that. It's all good fun in written form and all good fun in video review formats, lisakvideo.com. And I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. And uh, get me up to 200 fo- followers and you might get a price. I'm only like eight shy of 200, so you might get a price <laughs> from me. might get a free movie sent, uh, sent from me to to you so the 200th uh, follower on twitter if you're even listening that's the requisite by the way you have to listen to <laughs> mm-hmm. uh gets a gets a pressy i'm a whore <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's me all right so um big thank you for tuning into this episode and look out for us again on japan on fire <laughs>